often. Don't we appreciate our instrumentalists? They spend a lot of time, yeah. They spend a lot of time practicing, and, uh, and we love them. I'd like to also make a point about that. Monday night of the revival, um, Brother Hoskins talked about the move of God at his church. I want you, wonder if you guys picked up on, on this, uh, because I wanted to make a note of it. Um, for whatever reason, the Lord decided to move on the singing, not on the preaching. Right? You know, sometimes we decide what God should do. And I just wondered, I thought, I wonder what would happen if we did that, if that happened here. Because I don't know how many times I've heard about the word, the word, the word. And don't get me wrong, guys. I know what the word is. I know how important the word is. But it's God's word. And it's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. The Trinity is not that, as important as this is. Um, I don't mean to stir anybody up in the wrong way. I'm just saying as plainly as I know how. But when the Holy Spirit comes, God decides the effects of the wind. Right? And we just get to see the effects. And um, so uh, let's keep that in mind. I mean, Felicia, what you guys do, what you instrumentalists do, it's of the Lord. It is for God. And if he wants to breathe on it, then praise the Lord. You don't have to hear this voice. We can just go ahead and... I've been in services where that's happened. And, uh, you got to have the freedom to let that happen, though. You know? It terrifies me, because if it came that way, I'd be like, do I preach one? What do I do? <laughs> I'm going to get up here and stop the whole thing. Anyway, Lord, help us. We need your help. And we want you to have your church. It's your church. It's not ours. And we need you to come in an unusual way. We don't need usual. We need unusual. We don't need natural. We need supernatural. Right? I mean, we're, we're, it's come to that. So, uh, having said that, I'm, uh, really, the Monday night, he hit some things, like, like Andy got it and said later that he just hit, like, two months worth of stuff for us, all in one package. For me, he was just nailing it right down the line. And so, I'm, I'm trying to stay faithful to what I think the Lord is saying to us by kind of hanging out here in this spot and I hope that I'm I humbly say I hope I'm hearing from the Lord in what I'm going to uh, share tonight um, so uh, let, so we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 again we're going to uh, look at that and I'm going to kind of take you guys through some, some more backstory because I'm really really honing in on what was going on in that prayer meeting that brought the Lord the way that he came because I think it has some things there's some things for us to understand and to know and to lean into it was a work of God the whole thing was but there were people involved and they were doing their part in co-laboring and God was doing what only he can do and and that's what we're looking for we want to we want to uh, 
get into the rhythm of that. So uh, I'm not going to read much from chapter 2 here, but if you would stand, I'm, I'm going to read just like, uh, I'm going to read four verses, okay? Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you tonight uh, just desiring more of you. And knowing there's not, there's only one Pentecost, Father. You, you came uh, at this point in history that we just read about, and you stayed. And there's a connection from heaven to earth now. But, Father, we are asking that you'd help us learn how to posture ourselves, our hearts, our lives, and what we do today, that you could come and give us a fresh infilling and that you would do a new thing among us. All through the scripture we see you doing new things. Lord, that doesn't mean we disregard the past. But it does mean that we don't make too much of it. And we allow you to be God. And to give a new expression of things. And that we could also trust you that, that you know what you're doing. And so, Lord, would you help us learn and understand that and then to live and worship and pray in such a way that you could fall upon us in a new and a powerful way. And we ask that, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You guys will be seated. So we're looking for an upper room experience, so to speak, how the Spirit comes. And one of the things that I feel like is, is if we want to make much of the word, which we should and we do, I believe one of those bullseye things is that we make as much uh, about Jesus as we should because of who he is. When we agree with Colossians 1, 15 through 18, that's the section of scripture where he is supreme, it's the preeminence of Christ, talks about who he is. When we agree with that and we come into alignment with that, spirit, soul, and body, and we get underneath that call, and we see him as our vision, and we get filled with that same spirit that raised him from the grave, Romans 8, 11, that we have in us, because it's the same spirit, then God can do similar things. So, uh, again, one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight was what was going on in that room in that upper room between these men and women there was 150 people we know the leaders were the uh, 11 apostles at the time one was missing uh, Judas of course but what were they doing what was that prayer meeting like what were they saying what was going on there what was the heartbeat of it I'm really intrigued in asking the Lord for that type of understanding and some of the things that I've feel like I've gotten from him were this that between all of them there's several characteristics I think that were happening in that moment that the supreme one was just a 
serious desire to have Jesus again. Um, you know, it's it's we have to liken it. You know, we we would liken it to our our uh, our a person. You know, many times it's that that person that we marry. You know, when we first meet them, we get go through that those first periods of time. We all go through. The, you know, where everything's kind of white hot. You know, it's just this is the greatest thing ever. Um, and uh, and then when we're away from them, we feel that that longing, that desire. Or it could be our children or grandchildren. You know, people that we love dearly and that we've been separated from. Many times now it can be the, the death of someone that you seriously loved. I mean, oh, this person just had a, a real place in your heart. And, and so it's a longing, you know. You're separated, whether it's geographically or it's they've gone on to be with the Lord or whatever, but you're separated and you have this intense desire for them. You just want them so badly. And I think that was the fuel that was at work in what they were saying together. And they were in full agreement about it. And so what I wanted to do tonight was kind of give a backstory from Peter's perspective that got him to that place where he's in that upper room and he knows who this guy is now. And he knows that he's gone because he said he was, or he saw him go. But he just wants him back. Just, just, just five more minutes. You know, you could have five more minutes. That, that type of desire for a, for a person. Um, so I want to track back with this. And uh, also, as I'm talking about Peter, talking about the, the limitations that we have, the things that get in the way of an understanding of who he is and what he'd like to do in and through us that Peter found out as he went through such a humiliating process. If you guys, again, we talked about this before, but these disciples went through such a humiliating process following Jesus, you know, over and over and over again, speaking wrongly, saying, blurting things out, doing things that he had to lovingly rebuke them for. You know, one time Jesus said, what spirit are you, what, what spirit are you of? You know, you don't have a clue. You're going to bring down heaven, fire from heaven and burn a village because they don't like you. I mean, you, don't have, you guys are, you know, so they just were doing this stumbling through type of thing. And Peter especially, we know he was the one with, with the confidence to speak up at all times. And he did. And so uh, let's track back here. We're going to go back to Matthew 16 first. And I'm going to jot through these things pretty quickly, hopefully. Um, but Matthew 16, 16 is where I'd like to start. Let me find it here. Okay, now here's where Simon Peter, he was feeling pretty good about himself because he proclaims Jesus as the Messiah appropriately. Jesus is asking, uh, who, who is it that people say that I am? Uh, and then he points it right at them, but whom say ye that I am, and in verse 16, Simon Peter answers and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, 
Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And he goes on to, to tell him, you know, uh, upon that confession he's going to build his church. And Peter, in that moment, feeling good. I mean, the Father had given him something. He didn't even know the Father had given him anything. It just kind of came out. You know, and he's like, probably looking around to the guys. See? So he gets a little further in the conversation, kind of steps out there in a little more confidence. So Jesus begins to share with him how he's going to go to the cross and whatnot. And gets on down there to verses 22. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from me, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So Peter, in one instance, goes from a high to a low, and probably in Peter's mind came from the same place in him, because he had no discernment as to the word of the Lord that came out came out of him and then his own words. Does that make sense? And so uh, so what I'd like to say about that is this thing that this this inner man that we have, this understanding, the complications in here. Uh, Hebrews four twelve talks about Turn to that real quick so you can get Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what we're to be learning as sons of God is that God is trying to teach us and train us up in the way that we were created to function properly. And it's this relationship between the spirit and the soul that the word of God gives division so that you know what something is coming from in you. And it's a, it's a growth as you get closer to the Lord and as he speaks more into your life and as you're feeding the spirit portion of who you are and that spirit gets stronger, it begins to reveal sort of like a light shining upon our soul and some of the issues within the soul that, uh, that, need, that we need to see and that we need to understand. The, the, the words here in Hebrews 4.12, soul, is, that is suke, and, it, and it, it's a real complicated, long list of, you get into looking up these words, it's, it's you know, I'm not saying it's simple, but suke is, if we were going to say it's, it's animal-like or earth, earthly. Does that make sense? Carnal. The, the earthy portion of who we are. We were made for this planet, and the soul was supposed to help us kind of navigate around. It's what we would term the, uh, within the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions there. So, uh, And then the spirit in Hebrews 4.12 is the pneuma, it's the breath. So if you were going to go back to Genesis and God took uh, a man's soul and breathed upon it and it became a living soul, see that's the two things right there. You've got God's supernatural spirit, the breath of life, it's, it's supernatural. Um, 
and you've got this earthly portion of us that got breathed into. But see, everything was good then. You had the Spirit leading. It's sort of a co-laboring thing, and there's no easy way to describe these inner workings. That's why the Lord has to do it. It's like you've got to grow in the Lord, and you start picking up on these things as you feel around and, and you go. And it's important to know that because Peter will know later in his life, as you see him, we see Peter growing tremendously from the time Jesus meets him to the time of his death or the last time we see him in Scripture. It's one of the great studies to see the life of Peter grow, make a ton of mistakes and just grow, continue to mature. Uh, but he does learn later the difference between the two because what you need to be able to do as you grow is, okay, the word of the Lord just came through me, however you want to define that. That was a true word, let's say. Okay, God, I feel like it was enlightened word, came through me. And you ought to know that. You don't take credit for it because when you know it's the word of the Lord that comes through, you're like, oh, you know, it's a holy thing. Um, and then you need to know when that voice wants to come out of your mouth that is not the Lord, right? Because you don't want to mix those two things up. You ought to confuse people quite a bit, right? Things we ought to be very careful about. Um, and even Paul did this in his writing some of the things that we would call inspired he would say this is my opinion even though we still call it uh, inspired he said that this is an opinion of mine who knows what that means exactly other than he I don't know what he meant I'm not going to try to say that I know however do you understand what I'm saying there's discernment there there's an understanding of these this inner working that we are to have Okay, getting too caught up in that. But here's the problem. The unsurrendered soul cannot be trusted. It's only a tool that the enemy's going to manipulate. He's going to use it. And that's why it has to come underneath the lordship of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Uh, because it's, it's going to backfire on us as much as it, you know, when it burps, those burps can hurt people, can hurt hurt everything so we want to be sensitive to that thank god he covers us you know we, we we have problems he covers us but we want to grow up as much as we can so secondly so i wanted to show you first there's there's an instance where he had the word of the lord come through him and then he had what jesus called the word of the devil come through him all on the span of how many minutes you know or how long however long but it was right there in that same uh time frame next one is matthew 26 Okay, Matthew 26 and uh, 33. Now, this is where Jesus is, uh, this, is a, this is high intensity time. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And uh, so Jesus and Peter are having a pretty serious talk here. And Jesus is telling him about how everybody's going to leave him. And Peter's response here is, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Now what part of him is speaking of? It's that confident soul that thinks it knows 
confidence. I know what I'll do when the time comes. Y'all ever spoke with that part of you and found out otherwise? (laughs) It's humbling, you know. So he's speaking those words, and Jesus says unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter just blazed through that statement. Said, oh no. Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. So so I just want you to make note of this, that this is right before this happens, that he's confidently saying, no way, all these other clowns may fall away, not me, right? Okay, so Peter's speaking from the the soul here. Now, we could call it the, the flesh. The flesh is that part of us that the Bible speaks of. It's that carnal part. It's that, you know, I'll do it myself, my way attitude, you know? But the flesh works through the soul. Okay, that's its vehicle that it works through. That's why you have the soul's not bad. It's a beautiful thing. It's your personality. God made it. It's that little snowflake personality. Just just you. Unique you. So it's not bad. It's just got to be in the proper order of leadership. We have to know. We can't let it lead. We need the Spirit of God to show us. So this is the part of the soul that the enemy can sift like wheat. And that's what happens to Peter. That's scary, guys. That's scary because if you're standing out on that confidence, there is a wind that can come, there's a fire that can blow that will completely disable your capacity to do anything if you're standing on that strength. It is no strength. Not not when you're dealing with supernatural entities. Right, And you never know when that's going to blow into town. So you've got to be ready. So the next thing, uh, the next scripture here, I want to look up Luke twenty two fifty four, And we'll look at this as it progresses. Luke 22, 54 through 62. I think this is some of the same that I just read, but uh, let's read it again. Then, then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. Now I picked this one because of what this particular gospel shared. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Oh, 
Do you know that pain? And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So I want you to picture this because after all of that cocky confidence, all that hubris that the Greeks would call this pride of I can and I will and I know had been displayed, when the Lord needed him the most, you could say from an earthly standpoint, you know, the Lord didn't need a thing and knew this was going to happen. But that's when he bails on him and says he doesn't even know him. And then in in that courtyard, evidently, he had a line of sight to Jesus himself so that when this happens, Jesus is looking directly into his soul. And Jesus wasn't looking at him like, see, I told you so. Because when we do that, y'all ever done that? Like you're trying to, you're trying to tell somebody what they're going to do beforehand because you're trying to control them or manipulate into them into not doing it. So that when you do get the opportunity after they've done it, you go, I told you so. That's not what the Lord was doing. He was telling him, Peter, I know you through and through. And I would die for you again knowing that for he had Jesus had no no doubt he knew what he was dying for so that he could raise a new man so that he could give the spirit the power of God that would enable any of us to stand up to the standards that he left us to live by so he knows what he got what he's got when when he gets us Let's look at this. Uh, I thought I had looked up one more. So let me let me let's look at Mark sixteen seven and see. Okay, while y'all are turning there, let me let me read this real quick. Luke twenty two thirty one through thirty four. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Man, he's given the word of the Lord for this guy's future, and that is the word that saved this man from himself. Because a man with that much hubris will kill himself for having done what Peter did. He'll pay his own price. That's what Judas, Judas did. Judas knew he was wrong. After he saw the whole thing happen, he knew and he deserved death and he gave himself death. He didn't receive the cross. Y'all ever felt deserving of punishment? You ever punished yourself? I, used, I did it for years. You're bad, Paul. Bad, Paul. You need to be you need to be depressed all the time because you're so bad. You can get in cycles of that. You've got to let the Lord be the Lord who died for you, set you free, and forgive yourself sometimes or all the time. So, just want you to know, what's the part of Peter that got sifted? Is that pride? Pride got sifted 
Satan had something that was his in, say, in Peter's life. That's his. He gets to have that. And he comes to Jesus and says, I see some things in this man. They're my things. I have a right to these things. Y'all know that? Well, if we knew who we're, thank, thank goodness, we're all a bunch of peons in here and Satan himself is not knocking on our door. He can only ple- be in one place at one time, you know. He's not omni-anything. Who knows who he's messing with? I'm glad it's not me. But the truth is, if you want to play his game, if you've got his stuff, he has a right to it. And thank God he puts limitations on it, but that's, that's a scary thought. And Jesus says to him, you can sift him, but only so far. And he speaks the word of God. He, he plants that word into, into Peter's heart that says, I've got a future for you, and it's my word in you that will win out. I'm not the enemy. And so Peter walks straight into that flame of fire where he denies him. But see, in it, he sees how weak he is. He begins to understand, oh my goodness. And then because of the beauty of how Jesus deals with him through it all. That's what I'm trying to bring out here. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. That's the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 verse. So then the last one, well, I had you turn there to Mark 16, 7. Um... This is after the resurrection. Jesus is speaking to uh, Mary Magdalene and some others. He says to her, but go your way and tell, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. See, he knows, he knows what Peter's going through. He knows Peter's carrying this, what he's done. And so he's intentional about tell Peter that he's coming. He's coming to make it all right. He's got a plan for his life. And then the last one is in John, uh, I'm not going to turn there, but in John 21, uh, 15 through 19, that's where Jesus reinstates Peter. Y'all know that? Three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Uh, You can do a whole sermon on, on that, of course beautiful reinstating him to the man that he sees him to be after he's received the Holy Spirit. And so um, in that upper room, now why did I bring all this up? Because I want you to understand, kind of coming from Peter's perspective, Peter goes on through that 40-day window of time, you know, when Jesus reinstates him is in that window of time, that 40-day period where, where Jesus is sort of here and there and acting like a ghost or something, you know, strange comings and goings and walking through walls and things like that that we're like, what in the world? But this is what it it says. He was kind of here and not here, you know, kind of in between, still teaching and trying to zone them in. He's trying to hone them into the voice, into the Holy Spirit. It's what he's doing in that 40-day period, talking about the kingdom, reminding them of the promise, telling them don't go anywhere, don't go anywhere until I come, right? 
And so it's with that intensity that they are waiting expectantly. They've got the word of the Lord. But here's what I wanted you to see in the whole thing is this intense love for this man that they'd shared three and a half years with. And he's, there's just nothing like him. There's no human being that's ever been like him. And they, they were with him. Y'all know we do that. We, we, uh, the statement is, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Sometimes when you've got it, you do know it, but you still aren't able to give everything that you would like to give. And it's only after, when you're thinking back, that and I just love that about them and I love this and they said that and you're pondering the weight of this person's life and can y'all imagine the weight of what it would have been like to be walking around with Jesus the Messiah the son of God and what it would have been like to know he's gone now and then to think back what you had now that you know because you didn't know you didn't know they thought he was a great leader, they, they, they thought some right things about him, but they didn't know who he really was, what he was really like. I mean, that you could deny this guy the way that Peter denied him, and yet he would not condemn you for it. That somehow he had a love in him that could overcome that type of backstabbing. It's just not of this world. And yet to have experienced this person do this for you and find out he's this way and now he's gone. And I didn't know. I didn't know how great he was. Can you imagine what that prayer meeting was like? The intensity of it. Guys, I, I feel certain that's where we've got to get if we want to see God move again. Now, can we get there without the Lord? No. But we can ask for him to stir in us. Because, you listen, it's a supernatural thing to see Jesus, right? However we see him, you know, we, we get pictures of things and we get little words of things and we get little things and we feel things sometimes, you know, in a spiritual sense. But it's all just a little this and that, you know. It's a real serious move of God to see him in such a way that we would live the way the disciples lived when they became apostles, right? I mean radical, passionate. It's all that they lived for. And what they had to have was the power that what Jesus said, do not go anywhere until I come. You've got to have my spirit if you want to do my work. The soul is not capable, as well-intentioned as it is, as informed as it may be, it does not have what it takes. And so what Peter had to learn was the hard way, that lesson. And I think all of us have to as well. You know, the, the one thing about loving God supremely and not loving doing the work of God supremely has to do with, well, what if God began to come in power and we were just kind of shallow in our love for him? We're just kind of halfway there, you know, just kind of 
And then he just started doing awesome, powerful things through us. You know what it does to us when that happens? What if we went down this street here and every person, we just left here and I just went to every house and every household came to know Christ in a powerful way. And I came back here and I said, well, I started right here. Let me tell you what I did. I felt the Lord come on me. And then this said, and I did that. And look at me, guys. You see how awesome I am? Here, let me tell you how to do it. I'm going to write a book, and I've got a booklet. And and I'm going to teach classes now on how you do this. And the great man of God, Paul Tyler, hits the American light, the American church, and all of the hoopla and junk that we like to make some kind of, what are we doing? And so God says, you know, I've done quite a bit of that in American history. Thank God he has to the shipwreck of all our leaders. Not all of them, but way too many. Agreed? See, we're after the effects of the wind. The wind brings the effects of the wind. And when the servant wants the one who brings the wind more than they want the effects, then they're safeguarded. It's not about me. I just want you, God. I want you to be lifted up. I I just want you, Jesus. I think if Peter could have said, uh, if he'd have known what was going to happen when he stood up and 3,000 converts came to Christ in a moment, and you said, Peter, uh, what would you choose between your sermon and its effects or just Jesus back? You think I, uh, what do you think he would have wanted more? Five more minutes. I just know that that's what that prayer meeting is about. We just want the Lord. Because when the power of the real Holy Spirit comes and we want Him more than we want anything else, then His virtues begin to come through. Humility. Meekness. Those are the things Jesus said about Himself. We look like Him. And the effects are His. You know, what he does, he does. And we're glad to do it. God, Whatever, wherever you are, that's where I, I think Jesus lived this life just to prove to everybody that he wanted, his, he wanted his father more than he wanted anything else. He proved that by where he went and what he did and what he said. He could have been a big shot. The Greeks wanted him to come over. Show everybody what a big shot you are. Do some whiz-bang stuff around here. We love that stuff. We like we got Zeus and all these other gods. You can just come right up a, alongside them. Just show everybody how great you are. And he was like, you know. You guys don't know what the real thing's about. I've got the Father forever. And I'm almost done. And I'm going back. All he wants to do is sow that seed into this planet again that he could breathe upon it. I've heard uh, Dallas Willard, the guy I really like to lead after, he said that the, to him the Bible is a book that talks about a God that wants to give people his power but can't.
we'll just mess it up. The only safeguard is what Jesus teaches us. He, it's all about him. It's all about him. He has pleasure to give us that supersedes anything and everything else. And he wants us to desire him equal to his value. Now, can we ever get there? No, I don't guess we can because that's a lot of value. But man, we can do a lot better than we're doing now. We can, we can have some upgrades immediately if we just position ourselves properly. So that's my prayer for us. It's a prayer for, for myself. It's a prayer for my generation that, that, Lord, as bad as it looks right now, it's looked this bad before, guys. It has. It really has. Maybe even worse in some ways. It's the same Holy Spirit that's done everything that he's done. You know, I've, I've really, here, here, and I'm closing up here right, right now, but I, I'm to the point, you know, we've had 500 years of Protestant history. And that's a lot of church. That's a lot of us thinking that we know a lot of stuff. And I'm to the point where I'm like, God, I just could you just erase my memory? I just want to read this like for the first time. I just want to believe this like for the first time. Forget about everything I think that I know. I feel like it's in the way of who you really are. Because I'm not just I'm just not seeing what I, I think God should be should be in me. I'm talking about just me. Look at me in the mirror. There's something just is not quite right. Because I follow me around all day. I objectively take note of things I feel and say and do. And I read this Bible and I go, something's not quite right. I think it might be me. God, what is it in me? What is it that I think I know that's in the way that I don't really know? Would you just help me start over again? Just read this Bible for what it actually says. And not what some book told me it meant. Or anybody else said. Or any sermon that I've heard. Or You know, we're just so full of stuff we think we know. And it's just become well-trodden ground. Nothing can grow there. And so, Father, I just pray over this church that we would be of the heart and mind that when you begin to blow, first of all, that we would want you as you should be wanted, that we would seek you at the level that you should be sought after. If we could see it all, we would. And then, Father, that we would let you have your church and that we would know you well enough to know that when you move, it's you. And to let you move, to let you do what you've decided to do, to lift up your church and to, and to give a witness to the world again that you're a God of power. You're a great God. You're a great God of love. Lord, may you do it here at Tennessee Avenue. May you come again. Father, we ask you to send the Spirit now for the glory of Jesus Christ's sake.
send the Spirit to us, Father. Lift us up. Remove the things in the way, Father. May we come together in love. And may we wait expectantly on you to come in power and show us where you're moving and how you're doing it. Lord, we just give you our our church. Thank you that you're the head of it. In Jesus' name.